Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining me today, as always, are Vanessa Hawkins, my co-host. Hello, hello. And our faithful and talented producer, Beth Benson. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back with you ladies, isn't it? I was just talking to Beth on Sunday and saying, it's been a while because we didn't record over the summertime. And when we don't record, I don't get a chance to see you as often. So no, I've missed you guys. It's good to be back with y'all. We like being together. That's a good thing. We also have two guests with us today that we're very excited about. Virginia's over there doing a little (laughs) self applause for herself, a little happy fingers. (laughs) And Diane is doing a modified version. (laughs) Diane's trembling and Virginia celebrating. Uh, Diane Burnside and Virginia Lacker are here Mm. with us today. Very excited to have the two of y'all. You two are two of my favorite Bible teachers. And the reason being because when both of you stand up to teach the word, your enthusiasm, your love for it, your wisdom, it just flows out in such a gracious and wonderful way. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to have the two of y'all with us today. Excited to be here. And I could not agree more. Well, last week we kicked off our third season of this podcast with Kathleen Nielsen. She's a Bible teacher extraordinaire who authored the Bible study, Joshua, All God's Good Promises. We are going to be referencing this study as we make our way through the Old Testament book of Joshua together this season. If you missed our introduction episode with Kathleen, I highly encourage you to go back and give it a listen. Kathleen does a fabulous job giving an overview of Joshua and speaking to the important ways we can expect to see Jesus in our studies. Mm. So today we're going to be talking about Joshua chapter one. If you haven't had an opportunity to read it, I suggest you hit the pause button and do it now. And before we dive in, we're going to take a few minutes to do what has become one of my favorite segments on this podcast, what we call First Things First. It's an opportunity for everyone around the table to get, let you get to know them a little bit as they speak to firsts in their lives. So our first things first question for today is how old were you when you first left home and where did you go off to? So Diane's going to start us off. She's going to give us a little introduction to herself and then she's going to go ahead and answer that question. Thank you, Amber. Um, yes, I grew up in Thompson, Georgia, so that's not very far away. And um, wonderful family, very, very diligent to make sure we were in church every Sunday. So I grew up in the church and grew up in a church where Bible memory and exercises so that you would get to know how to use. And uh, we did something like sew a drill. That may mm-hmm. be ring a bell with some of you growing up. And we did projects like um, tracing the journeys of Paul and making posters about that. So I grew up with a rich Mm. Uh, a, a lot of rich information in my mind. So um, um, that was my background. And so um, I have one brother, and uh, he's still in Thompson. And um, that's enough about my background. The time I left home first was that I was trying to think of. And I really think the first time I ever really left home was to go off to college when I was yeah. 18 and graduated from Thompson High School and proceeded to go to um, uh, college at Georgia College in Milledgeville, which was oh. at that time 700 girls. 700 you know. just girls. Oh, was it just, just girls? girls. Okay. Which was yeah. my daddy's choice. Yeah. I wanted to be at the University of Georgia with my 
high school boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> oh. Ultimately <laughs> became my, he was, that was my reason for college and what I wanted to major in was marrying Tommy. So, <laughs> and I say that, you, some of you have heard me laugh about that, but that's what I answer my grandchildren. I just wanted to get finished and marry your daddy and your granddaddy. And your, but anyway, children, the, um, so that's really uh, probably covers my question, doesn't it? Yeah, it covers Brown. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. High school you, sweetheart became your husband. For 46 years. 46 wow. years. Now no. resides, he has moved to heaven. Oh. Well, I grew up here in Augusta at First Pres. Um, I have been married for seven years, and I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a 16-month-old. Two girls and then a boy with red hair. My little boy is a little... Ginger and has a temper, so it's but it's fun. He's a great little caboose. Um, and the answer to my question, I mean, I think definitely college, but there was a time I was thinking back through it in a big family. So I grew up in I'm one of five, and um, we did a lot of things together. Whenever mom would take us places, you would always have a sibling with you. But there was one time that she dropped me off, and I did not have a sibling. And it was, um, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but it's this rite of passage that we did in our family. When you reach this certain age, I think it was probably third, fourth grade, um, my parents would take us halfway to Gainesville, Florida, where my grandparents lived. We would always meet in Jessup, Georgia. There's there's, there's still probably just a Burger King, mm-hmm. and that's it there. Um, and we would meet them, and they would drop us off, and we would go by ourselves back to our grandparents' house for a week or so. And they would, it was just us and in a big family. That's that a, big a big deal to be just yeah. you and your grandparents. And so um, I can't remember another time where I was by myself except for when I left no. college. So it was a sweet time. I Do you remember, remember being it. nervous? A little bit, but just, I mean, my grandmother was, I mean, just so fun. I mean, she would come up with a chore and she would say, I got a fun job for you. And everybody would jump to want to do it because we knew, I mean, we did the same jobs at home, but she was, she made everything. I mean, she she would make everything a game. Like whoever can put the forks away first gets an M&M or, I mean, just er, everything was fun with her. So she, you know, spending a whole week with just her, with all of her games that she made up and all the fun things. It was, it was a definite treasure and just so exciting to be able to do that. Yeah, grandmothers are just, they are magical. Um, my kids call their grandma, their fairy grandma. Mm. Oh. Yes, they, they are, they, just, they do. They make the, just the mundane mm-hmm. things just fun. They add a, a sweetness yes. to it. Yes, my mom always tries, and we're like, I'm sorry, mom. You're, you're, it's just not, you're a, no grandma. It's not, it's not the same. Only Nani can do it. I know. Yeah, you're yeah. No Only Nani can mom. do that. Yeah. Sorry. That's awesome. Uh, The first time I left home would have been when I turned 18 and I was going away to college. Um, And Marcus was also, we we graduated at the same time, um, my husband, um, my then boyfriend. And uh, he was going to engineering school in Chicago. And I'm the youngest of nine, had never been away from my family, had never really been away from home for any amount of time. I was like, dude, I love you, but yeah, I'll see you, um, breaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And oh, Chicago was like, what? I don't know. Nine hours drive. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, that was, that was out of the picture for me. And that just sounded like a big, scary city. That was more than what I was willing to do. So there was one engineering school in Arkansas that was university of Arkansas at Fayetteville. I was like, okay, guess I'm a Razorback. And I applied to one school. <laughs> 
I applied to one school. And so I, I limited where I was going because I was uh, afraid to venture out. But it ended up being a really good experience. You know, the hog wild band and the woo pig suey and, and all of that. <laughs> it was a good experience to leave home before I got slammed into deep academia at Washington University in St. Louis. So. Wow. Yeah. Then you did leave home. Yes. 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 Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, very fun. Well, I grew up in a little Midwestern town called Upland, Indiana. It has one flashing yellow light <laughs> yep, and an incredible ice cream store that's pretty much in my ba- my parents' backyard. And it also has a college. And I wanted to go to that. It was a private college. And it's what makes that town unique and gives it its flavor. And I wanted to go there when I graduated because several of my friends went there. But it was just not in the cards for me monetarily. And so I ended up going to a small Bible school, almost like a gap year, in Estes Park, Colorado, which would be 22 hours from my home. And my dad drove me there. He's the king of long road trips. And so we drove through Illinois. We drove through Kansas. We had some long, flat stretches to think about how far I was going. (laughs) And I remember driving into Denver seeing the mountains in the distance, driving out of Denver, driving up in through the mountains and thinking, if I do not meet a soul, if I do not make one friend, because mm. I was nervous, I'm still going to love it here because I was in love with the mountains mm. as soon as I saw them. It was just beautiful. It was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. So that was a good time, a good time for me. But it's strange to leave home when that's all you've known. It's your yes. comfort. It's your safety, especially when your home is a good place, mm-hmm. when it's a loving place and when it's a safe place. Today, as we start to talk about Joshua, we are seeing a group of people, God's people, who are about to enter into a new place. They're not leaving home. In fact, in a sense, they're doing the opposite. They're coming out of slavery in Egypt. They're coming out of 40 years of wandering in the desert. And they're at the cusp of entering into a place that God, several hundred years before, promised would be theirs. So they're about to take a big step into a new place, and it's a scary step, mm-hmm. and it's an exciting step, and it's a step that's going to take what the Lord describes as strength and courage. Mm-hmm. You know, as we begin to look at this, it opens up, the book of Joshua opens up saying that Moses has died. Moses, the Lord's servant, has died, and now it's time to enter into the promised land, which is, it stood out to me because Moses is the one who brought him out of Egypt. Moses is the one who led them all the way through the desert. And now Moses has died. And you can imagine the people are in a sense leaderless Mm -hmm. and they have Joshua. And now the Lord is saying, you are my servant and you are going to lead these people into this new place. And I'm commissioning you. It's not about the man. It's about me. What I said I will do, I will do. And so what the Lord wants to say here in his word, the the first thing that comes to Joshua as they prepare to make this venture is the Lord's word. The Lord speaks to Joshua and he talks about three things, his promises, his law, and his presence. So the Lord reminds Joshua that the promised land is something that the Lord chose for his people based on his goodwill alone and that he is the one with the power to give it. So he encourages Joshua in light of his promises to be strong and courageous. You know, when you think about the book of Joshua, oftentimes people reference that be strong and courageous. This is a military venture. You think of a military leader. They're going in to take a land. You think strength. You think courage. But you don't always remember that the strength and courage isn't based on Joshua 
or the nation or their strength or their military prowess. It's based on the promises of God. So he gives Joshua that promise. He reminds him of that promise. And then he clearly states to Joshua that the courage and strength he gains from knowing God's promise of victory shouldn't result in a puffed up view of his skills as a leader or the strength of the nation. But, and I think this is important, in a firm commitment to follow God's law. Mm -hmm. Because when they walk into the land, they are going to be opposed. And when you are opposed and trials come, it's easy to look to other things, other places, other people, other nations, whatever, for help and to turn away from God's law thinking it's not enough. And so the Lord says, be strong, be courageous, do faithfully all that's written in my in my law. And then finally, he promises his presence. He won't leave or forsake Joshua or Israel. And so they have every reason to be strong and courageous. You know, those promises, the promise, the law, the presence, it comes in verses one through nine, those three exhortations to be strong and courageous. But we also have verses 10 through 18. Vanessa, what did you see there that stuck out to you in this chapter? Yeah, I, I love that. The promises, the law and the presence. I love this element of how Joshua is being commanded to remember. So he's being commanded to look back, remember, as I was with Moses and having been his servant and being Joshua, Joshua being Moses assistant. He remembers some of the mighty acts of the Lord. He was present when he went up on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments. And so he was the one standing outside the tent of meeting when when Moses met with the Lord face to face. And so there are all these reasons to remember that the Lord is using to empower and to strengthen and to energize this forward movement that he's calling them to have. Um, I, I love this. That So there's that element of the past. There's the element of my presence is with you right now. Remember what I have done. My presence is with you. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Uh, keep it in your mouth. Keep it in, in, in your memory. And then there's this promise as looking ahead. There's this vision being cast. It's the same vision that I gave Moses. It's this promise of a land. It is this promise of rest. Uh, and what a joy it must have been for a weary people to hear, uh, battle-worn people to hear about a promise of rest. Amber reminded us that the book of Joshua begins with Joshua receiving God's word, his promises and his commands. So ladies, tell me, when do you first remember recognizing the importance of receiving God's word in your own life? I actually, it's kind of interesting growing up in the church, I actually didn't have a consistent time with the Lord. I didn't, I didn't really make that my focus when things were good in my life. I would just kind of, I mean, I knew he was there. I still went to church, but I did not have a consistent time with him. And then when things were hard, um, that's when I would really press into his word and try and find truth there. And it hasn't been I would say maybe three years ago, I kind of decided in January that was going to be my New Year's resolution, to have a time with the Lord every day, even if it's just three or four minutes. But um, at that point, I was a mom of two. I was a wife. Um, it just felt like everything that God had called me to do was just coming to a head. And it was tough and it was a lot. And I just kind of said, how in the world am I going to raise these two children? How in the world am I going to love my husband the way that God has called me to do without him? I, I, I can't. I God brought me to the end of myself where I could not just carry along. Um, and so I, um, I just started spending time with his word um, every day. And I, I read this book. It's called New Morning mm -hmm. Mercies. And it's very, it's short. So it's great for a mom, <laughs> you know, it's short. But, um, but then whenever, you know, we would have Bible studies, I would always spend time there too, once I did that. Um, and um, God has just really shown me that 
pressing into his word every day. Sanctification is slow, but he does mold me and shape me in his word every day, a little bit, a little bit. And looking back, I can see just how important that time has been. That's so good, Jenny. I, I do remember those those hectic moments of having littles that you have right now. And it mm-hmm. is, I would have to remind myself, the Lord gently leads those who have young. I, I love that was like yes. one of my favorite <laughs> passages to remember that he understood how mm-hmm. difficult and how busy and how unique that season was mm-hmm. and that uh, not to heap other obligations on myself, but to hurry to him. Um, mm-hmm. and to find the strength that I needed. Yeah. Yes. I love <clears throat> I love remembering just as you talk about having a young family and uh, how you were, um, you came to the point of realizing you couldn't do it by yourself, mm-hmm. which I think, and it's interesting to observe and listen to one another as to what sort of order the Lord used in our lives to get us to that point. Sometimes it's, you know, before and sometimes it's after. You just, it, and it's different. So we shouldn't um, label, I mean, we should be careful to encourage people that we know are not quite to that point. But you know the Lord's working and it's just, it's going to come in time. As you say, sanctification. I think last till we get to heaven, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I think we have to wait to be glorified. Is that right? Is that remembering correctly? Mm-hmm. No. But anyway, I guess that was probably, um, I reached a point like that in my life when Beth was born with Downs. And although I had had quiet times, daily devotionals, family readings, we had done that was sort of a, a part of our lives. I had not been studying God's Word. I was listening more to what other people had learned from God's Word mm-hmm. than digging yeah. into it for myself. So it put me on a quest to dig into it for myself, not a crisis of faith exactly, but I thought, I something here I don't know. And I remember preparing because mm-hmm. John is just so rich. I mean, why do they tell people to read John? first when you want to know Jesus but mm-hmm. it is so rich and I was reading in John the account of the marriage at Cana in Galilee mm-hmm. and I was thinking through that marriage scene and about what Jesus did the first miracle the first miracle he chose to do was something simple like changing water into wine you know at a marriage and so as I pondered all of that and thought of that it was as if the door opened and I thought that's just the top of the surface what he's really doing is he's demonstrating what he came to do to change all of our lives from ordinary water useful but into wine a cause for celebrating Mm. and I thought oh lord there's more in here than I've been looking at and seeing and so it drove me into studying on my own couple of things that come out from what both of y'all are saying that strike me is one I just love how you said I don't know and when we don't know where do we go to find out Mm -hmm. and hardship is the thing that pushes us oftentimes to say I don't know and it's the thing that says I really need Mm -hmm. to know and there's a lot of different directions you can go with I don't know but to go to the Lord's word and to experience that moment when he turns the light Mm -hmm. bulb on because Mm -hmm. you can read it Right. But you might still not know it. You might not still get it. And it's that it's like what you're describing right there with that story in John. Oh, it's more here than that. I see yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And you know 
that the Lord has revealed something mm-hmm. to you that you didn't exactly. have in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been so important to me about mm-hmm. God's word is just that knowledge continually every day. Amber, you don't have it in yourself. No matter how long you've studied the word, no matter how many Bible verses you've read, no matter how, how whatever, this comes through me, your connection with me, and I communicate with you through my word. And it's not just knowledge, it's actually communion mm-hmm. uh, with the spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's such a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. It's such a gift. And so that's what the Lord is giving to Joshua in this place. It's his word. It's his promises. It's his, it's his exhortation to say, if you stay close to me, if, my, if you meditate, like you said, mm-hmm. Vanessa, on my word, life goes well with you. It doesn't mean it's, it's void mm-hmm. of challenge because Joshua and that, and that community, the Israelites, they are about to enter into battle. It is hard. It is difficult. Life, even in the midst of God's promises, is so challenging. And sometimes when we face those challenges, like I said before, we're tempted to look outside of what the Lord has said to us to find solutions in different places. And sometimes it really actually takes strength and courage to commit ourselves to continuing to trust and abide in God's word. So ladies, how have y'all found that obedience to God's word is oftentimes a lesson in strength and courage? And what sort of promises of the Lord have helped you along the way? Diane, what do you think, lady? Which I don't know where to start. Well, shall I use the one that was just this morning? I was just about to get so anxious this morning, so terribly anxious when the day didn't even start like I thought it was going to start. And, of course, I know it's the enemy. I understand that, mm-hmm. thank goodness, that it's trying to stop me from doing what I was supposed to be here to do. I mean, the bus came and left, and I had to then mm-hmm. do best. Anyway, it was just, I thought, I'm not believing this. And then I guess I do, Uh I believe this. Because (laughs) one of the verses, which was uh, Psalm uh, 34.5, it says, Those who look to him are radiant, therefore they are never covered with shame. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you're not going to let me be covered with shame with not showing up this morning, not Mm -hmm. getting to church on time, not doing doing what I'm called to do as a mother and all of that kind of thing. And I held on to it. Now that's... Mm -hmm getting courage and not coming Mm -hmm. apart. Yes, Mm ma'am. Yep. I think that uh, what I've seen in my life is that God calls us to walk through hard things and Mm -hmm. he calls us to walk through them. Mm -hmm. And I am, you know, there's fight, flight or freeze. I'm a freezer. And Mm -hmm. so I just stop and I don't want to keep going. And um, I just feel like sometimes the Lord has to push me (laughs) on my back and be like, you got to keep going because I have a house to run. I have children. I have people to feed. I can't, I cannot just stop. I, I mean, sometimes there's a place for that and I get that, but I think in a busy life, I don't have time to just stop. Um, and so I tend to medicate or, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> try to escape. And, but God has said, no, I, I want you to walk through this. I will be with you, but you have to make, you have to feel you're a person. You have to walk, you, you have to do the hard work of moving through these things. I, I will be with you. I will not leave you. Um, And I think that's one of the biggest things is that God has called me to obey what's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I can't looking ahead. It's overwhelming. Looking behind is encouraging. Um, but he just calls me to do the next thing. And, um, what's the next thing I need to do? Okay. I need to change a diaper, you know, just small, small things. Um, and one of the parts in scripture that I've really been clinging to this year, um, I love the part in Hagar when, um, Hagar's by herself. She's just been kicked out. She's got her son They're They don't have anything to eat. And, um, I love how God says to her, I see you. Um, and I think I, I, God has added to that in my life. He said, I, I see you, Virginia. 
I hear you and I know. And there's so much power in that um, of not feeling alone. You know, I, I would say maybe 10 years ago, I would have thought, really, that's all he does. He's just with us. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> give us anything else. But as I've as I've spent that time with him daily in prayer, in his word, I've seen that actually his presence is the best thing I could ever need or want because he he says that he cries with me. He sits with me. He wants to know my heart. And 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 I've seen that in him. And I, I just feel like I keep going back to that is that um, he sees he hears and he knows. That's so good. It's such a good reminder. And I think we do kind of the the Lord's presence. We can take that as a trite thing in the Christian community to say, well, you know, the Lord is with you. But when you mm-hmm. consider what's with you, if the Lord's with you, that mm-hmm. it, it's powerful. You know, the creator of the universe, the one who sustains all life and holds the world up by the word of his power. You know, if you, mm-hmm. when you consider who is with you, it's, uh, it takes on different meanings. So yeah, that's, thank you for reminding us of that. Um, I guess when I think of a, a passage that has sustained me in um, obedience and that has encouraged me in the rough places, this actual passage in Joshua, it, it's if you've been in my office, you'll see that it's on my wall. And it is the that go, that has followed me with to every office that I've been in. Um, because it accompanies me in transition that um, be strong and courageous for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And I, I can't help but think when I hear this being said to Joshua, that when the Lord exhorts me or when I most need to hear about being strong and courageous is when I'm fearful and afraid and and, and scared. And, um, and so just times of transition, and it's a big transition that he is undergoing. And so I just think of all the transitions in my life. And that passage reminds me in transition uh, to be strong and courageous because of the Lord's presence. I can be and that he is empowering me to do so. And that his being with me wherever I go means that I'm going to land okay. It means that wherever I land, it's going to be okay. Uh, and our, our lives... Um, have been full of transition. I think transition is what has been constant for our family lately Mm -hmm. in the last several years. Mm -hmm. Transition has been constant. And so there's seemingly no rest in that, uh, rest from transition, but there is rest in the transition. And the rest in the transition has been just that the Lord has been steady and he has been present. So um, Kathleen talks to us in her study uh, on Joshua about believing and obeying the word of the Lord is where we find true rest now and eternally through our Lord and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So how have you found this statement to be true in your lives? I think for me, it's been being in his word and being with him. And I, um, I read, um, a little while ago, it's a different translation of scripture. I don't remember, but it's that, um, it, the, the phrase that keeps coming back to mind is do not look anxiously about, Um, Because I think sometimes I can. And I think in my freezing, though, I tend to just not do anything. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you got this. But he calls us to move forward. He calls us to do things. But in a in a rest, restful way, we are not anxiously looking about we are not nervous, we're not anxious, but we are following him at each step when he calls us to move forward, we move forward and we wait on him. Um, And I love that. I mean, I know we've we've said it a lot, but just the just in our church and in lives. I've heard it a lot, but just we're restless until we find that rest in him. And that rest, you know, sometimes I can't sit and I can't just sit, you know, I've got to keep moving, but, but there's rest in saying and being thankful and saying, Lord, you've given me this and and I'm going to rest in you. And this is hard and this is a lot of work and, and I'm exhausted, but 
but I know that you're here and, and I know that you will give me just like what, what you were saying, Vanessa, when we think about what that means, I mean, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of people who struggle. He is the God of people who, who just seem to have this faith that I wonder, well, I, I don't think I have that kind of faith, you know, and, um, but that, that he is with us and, and he is Emmanuel and that he, um, I think finding rest in him is knowing that I can feel two very different emotions at the mm-hmm. same time. And that, that doesn't make me crazy. You know, I read scripture and Jesus is born and it's hopeful. Yay. And then you turn the page and <laughs> Herod's killing all the boy babies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how do I reconcile that? That's horrific. Yes. Like, how do I reconcile mm-hmm. those two very different things together? And then say, but God, you're, I, I can still rest these emotions in you and that he just wants our hearts and we don't have to hide from those, those scary emotions. So good, Virginia. I love, I love what you're saying because I'm, I'm processing it in my own mind. And I think probably for years, if you had asked me what was my quote life verse, you know, what would be, and I, I definitely think that, that um, it has been. And even this morning, as you were talking, I was thinking Vanessa had a, verse that you know that kind of thing I thought what is what has been the one that's been through all of these years I mean I'm I've lived a long time and um the um trust in the Lord it's that simple one that wonderful Mm -hmm. that we all know it by heart Mm -hmm. trust in the Lord with all your heart Mm -hmm. and lean not into your own understanding and good grief you know with just what Life has been dealing with me with rearing children when they were little, those sorts of challenges. Then when they go off to college and they leave you and you think, why? You know, I spent all that time with them and now I've got to give them away. You know, when they get married and all of that changes. And then, you know, with when Tommy's death came, I got a real workout and trust in the Lord because he was in his 60s, which is not old, Mm -mm. not now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. not old. But anyway, um, so it's been, I'd, I'd have to say that the, when he orders us over and over again, and I don't mean order in a bad way, but he tells us over and over and over again, don't be afraid, trust me. Don't be afraid, trust me. Trust me has been the, the, the one I believe. So you know, that's mm-hmm. the other one he says over and over and over again, believe in me. And then the mm-hmm. other one is you trust me mm-hmm. and don't lead in you know lean on your own understanding and the more i know of him and watch him mm-hmm. with the different seasons transitions yes, in life um yeah that would have to be the word the verse mm-hmm. you know because it comes back over and over and over again you know when uh best living arrangements came apart and i knew she was going to need to come live with me 24 7 uh, that was just three years ago. Up to that point, she'd only been with us on the weekends since she was, mm-hmm. you know, since 2000. And so um, it, it, I thought, how in the world are we, am I going to do this? And mm-hmm. as it turned out, it's just, I have to tell you, when you live with somebody who comes in there and sees you first thing in the morning, tells you you're beautiful and that you're the best mama she could ever, I mean, come on, who, who would want to end up in your 80s like that? I mean, come on, you know. So I think that would have to be mine. You know, it's just an old, we know those verses, but the trusting is the thing, the yeah. trusting. Trusting and knowing. I love it. And I love how that aligns with what um, the Lord is telling Joshua. Um, Lean not to your own understanding. He says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't don't lean on what you think or what you see or what you're afraid of. Believe what I'm saying, because that's what's going to sustain you. The book of the law, my truth, my promises, my word. 
So with Joshua, y'all are talking about the fact that God reveals himself. He makes himself known. And he says, you can trust me and I will give you rest. And the rest that he's promising Joshua here and Israel here is a picture of a deeper rest because they are going to enter the promised land. They are going to have rest, but it's not going to last, right? The lasting rest comes through the accomplished work of Christ, who through him, we move into that ultimate promise of connection, of abiding, of resting in the Lord, of having all of who he is promised to us, given to us in a way that can't be taken away. It doesn't, that type of rest doesn't exist in ourselves. It doesn't exist in a leader, a church leader, a political leader, a government, a nation, any of those things it exist in the Lord himself. And so it's a sweet picture to know as we get into Joshua, we're going to see the character of God leading his people into rest. And as we do so, we're going to expand our vision of what it means to have that rest in the accomplished work of Christ. Amen. And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company while you enjoy a pumpkin spice latte or maybe on your drive home from work. I have so enjoyed being here with Virginia and Diane today. It's just been sweet to um, connect with these ladies. Next week, Angela Watkins and Pam Willis will be joining us to talk about Joshua 2 and the mercies of God. If you want to see their pretty faces, check us out on Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. Sure hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again. A season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain.